Welcome to Dr. 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard rank ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Dragon Rider and Major Death. So let's just roll into last week's poll question. Seems like we got a, quite a few responses last week, so let's go over those. Mm-hmm. We did, in fact. We had uh, our question last week, in case you forgot, uh, was what has been your favorite Hearthstone year? And we had 46 votes. Thank you to everyone that voted. And the results are a little inconclusive. I'm going to be honest with you, because... Because of Twitter and the stupid way we have to do polls. So on paper, the year of the Phoenix wins with 26.1% of the vote. Uh, Dragon got year of the dragon got 21.7. Raven got 15.2. Those are the three that we had as options. And then the other option you had to select that. And then you were supposed to reply with either year of the mammoth or year of the Kraken We had 37% of people say they wanted one of those two, but not all of you told me which one. So I don't know exactly the breakdown of that, but what I, what it looks like or what I can tell is that year of the mammoth got the same as uh, year of the Raven 15.2 Kraken got 5.5%. And then we have just this nebulous other of 16.3. So, Year of the Phoenix takes it. Uh, recency bias uh, might be playing a factor in that, but there, there was definitely if you voted other, the the consensus was at least in the in the people that did vote was uh, you're the mammoth. They like Angoro. We like our Death Knights, and uh, and I think it was Cobalts, Cobalts and Catacombs. One? Yep. Yeah. So. So those were that was that was a popular answer. So thank you to all of you that voted. We'll have a poll question at the end of this uh, at the end of this episode, and we look forward to hearing hearing your thoughts on that next week. Okay, so we got big news this week. Um, so ahead of BlizzCon, Blizzard announces rotating core set coming at the end of Year of the Phoenix rotation or uh, Dragon rotation. Excuse me, I'm thinking Year of the Phoenix is the the rotation. The Year of the Phoenix. It's the is end ending. of the Year, year of the Phoenix, Phoenix, but is rotating. But year of the Dragon that is rotating out of standard. There you go. Yeah, not exactly. confusing at all when trying to say it out loud. No, exactly. That's yes. why I kind of stumbled there because it's like, okay, I'm confused. So the new core set will be 235 cards and feature classic, classic, and basic cards along with wild cards, four demon hunter cards from Ashes of Outland expansions, and initiate set, one Hall of Fame card, uh, Shadow Form, and 29 all new cards. The rest of the basic and classic cards will rotate to wild and be called the Legacy Set. Cards will be free slash unlockable for all players. We will be getting more deck slots, adding another page of deck slots, giving users 27 deck slots. And the Tavern Brawl reward will be changed from a classic pack to a more recent pack. Um, I'm just going to finish reading this set, uh, the, these, and then we can t- discuss. Um, so 
Then we have the new game format classic is also announced. This is not the new game mode team five tease before rotation. Classic arrives on set rotation this year's. You get to play with the original 240 Hearthstone cards as they were in 2014. No nerfs or buffs. Your collection gets mirrored. Having the current card also gives you the older card. This is only with basic and classic cards. No other additions have been announced at this moment. It has its own matchmaking pool and ranked play mode. You uh, Games you play count towards achievements. Cards that were added to the classic set uh, past 2014 will no longer be including in classic packs, but can be crafted. Icicle, Pilfer, etc., etc. Demon Hunter obviously will not be uh, playable in the format. And Out of Cards, which we will link, has a list of all the card changes, um, like Leroy going back to four, um... And uh, Knife Juggler, did those two changes were the ones I pulled out. Knife Juggler will be a 3-2, and uh, Leroy will cost 4. So, I mean, we could have... We already had a main topic before this, but this could be our main topic. Like, wow. That is... that is. Um, we knew something was coming uh, because of what uh, Alec Dawson tweeted, um, referring to the hall of fame going away. So this explains it. Wild is going to be just that everything as it, as it was. But now instead of standard, having the classic and basic set, they are going to have a rotating core set when evergreen set. If you were, um, and so how do we how do we feel about this this change like right off the bat like what is your first impression on the evergreen set so dragon rider why don't you go first um sure yeah i'll go first um i am going to also just mention real quick that i did a little bit before uh we recorded i put up a youtube video talking like kind of through this stuff and uh, my thoughts on it, like initial impressions, but I think this all seems pretty cool so far. Like the idea of just a core set in general, rotating core set seems really cool to me. It's something that people have been asking for for a long time. Um, I am somebody who played Magic the Gathering in the past, so that is very familiar to me as just a concept in general. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I think the idea of this classic format is cool because it gives people a place to go. And we've seen that a lot with the wild community talking about, well, why can't we unnerf things? We want to play with, with these cards as we remember them because that's when they were powerful and that's when they liked playing those cards. So it gives people a chance to, to go back and play those cards as they were. I'm not sure it's a format that I will probably play, um, but it's kind of like duels in arena. Like I'm not really into those, but I'm glad that it will be a thing for people who want to play it. Um, so that's that's kind of my initial impressions and where I, I stand right now. Mage. Uh, initial impression after reading the uh, the blog post was I think this is great. I I actually think that I I have been one of those people that felt basic and classic is important. And that it needs to be there and it needs to be 
good enough so that people that are on a limited budget or a free to play uh, situation still have ways of building decks that are are semi competitive and and can and can be able to experience the game. Um, you know, uh, going to a rotating set, uh, I had concerns about where those people would go and the fact that this is going to be free or unlockable to to everyone, I think is is a huge boon. Uh, the fact that it now, those cards will just be there, and so like if you take a break for a while and then come back, you also potentially have something more viable because they're going to be curating that list. It's it's I don't just have Kidnapper forever. I might actually have a playable rogue card that I actually want to use. So from that standpoint, I think I think it I think this is actually really great. Deck slots I've always wanted to have. I I've always wanted to have. 18 when i when we got 18 all i've wanted was another nine so thank you 27 let's let's go we've got 10 classes now let's let's do this and classic is interesting because like i i see the novelty of it uh, there's that you know we saw world of warcraft classic got to be very popular and and so there's definitely i think an audience i'm not sure if it's a if it's a um apt analogy when it comes to card games um but the the idea that you could go and try out some of this stuff there's definitely like when i when i started playing the cards were like this and now they're not like this anymore and so what if i had the knowledge i have now but had access to the cards like they were before you know would i be any good would i not be any good you know uh, this that gives you an opportunity to do this so i think in the short term after it goes live i think it could be a rather rather popular yeah i think it's going to be a um interesting novelty format like i feel like that's something they just threw in for like you know we already have the tools and we can just limit how like it probably didn't take them like Re- when I say this, relatively a whole <laughs> relatively lot of to other things they yeah, could develop. Exactly. It's, yes, exactly. It's... I'm not downplaying the amount of work that I'm sure went into this because it's still... But they were able to, I would assume, um, piece this mode together and very easily just be like, here are the cards you can use, here's where the cards are, and that's that. I, I think it's... I'm like, I'm like Dragon Rider... I, Okay, like this is cool that they did this, but it's not really super interesting to me. But I'm glad, I'm glad it's there. The more ways to play, and the more people they can get in, and if that's something that like this is your jam, and this is how you want to play Hearthstone, you want to go back to 2014 and play the classic set, then like awesome. I'm glad that you'll be able to do that. So, um, that's not the new mode, like. That yeah, when that, when I saw Mage retweet that, I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, we're still getting more stuff, more, more. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I expected it to be the new mode when I first saw the announcement. I, when I saw the announcement too, I was like, "Oh, I find it kind of feels like a a tiny bit of a cop out because it's like, really, that's that's a new mode, is it? Like, that's like you just limit. It's a new format, not really a new mode." But yes, so this is not, I mean, so, I mean, it's just bonus. It's just, this is just straight bonus 
um, content, essentially. So, um, it feels super cool that they're, that they're, they're doing this. And, um, I think the rotating core set is a, is a phenomenal idea, especially in a game with Hearthstone, like Hearthstone, where they can put updates on the fly. You don't have to ban cards in Hearthstone. You can make changes. You can nerf cards. You can you can change things. The the meta can fluctuate a lot more when you have this ability. And I I I'm making a prediction, and I'm not saying it's going to come true, but like I imagine them being able to maybe swap a card in and out of um the core set if it becomes problematic. So like if something happens that an interaction they didn't foresee. They can literally pull that card out instead of nerfing, like, like, let's go back to, like, um, like, Juicy Psych Melon. If you remember that, that was, like, a big problem in Wild. And, like, just in that specific format, like, that card was a problem. But it really wasn't a problem in Standard. So if there's, like, a card that, like, is a problem in Standard that's, like, a brand new card because of... You know, you have something, I, I'm not even going to get into a card, just like, you have something that, like, really breaks a new card, then you can hypothetically move that card out of the core set and move something else in to replace it, and then all of a sudden, like, that card is not broken anymore. You don't have to change it. You don't have to nerf that card. You can kind of change the, uh, curate the meta by swapping things out, and I don't know that they're going to do that, but that's what that, like, screams to me, is like, oh, we can make changes that don't necessarily, um, change the card itself, but if we change the environment around the card, it, it becomes less broken, it becomes as we intended it because it's probably if something gets generally gets broken, they they're like, this was going to be powerful. We didn't realize that it was going to be that powerful. So I am, I'm a big fan. I think this is a very cool concept <laughs> and uh, I feel like this is something the game needed. Like this is just something that um, historically other games have done specifically. I'm thinking of like, dragon said magic like this is something where it's like cool because then like your core set can have cards from a bunch of different you know like not a lot but like if there's like one specific card that you might get pulled back in from a class you like to play like this is this is not a card that's going to come back but i'm going to say this like evolve if you're like huge into evolve like you know there's a chance evolve. Could, it's evolve's not going to come back. Some, I'm just, I'm just, some, yeah. There's some PTSD about that. <laughs> exactly. But to to your point, there's 55 wild cards, the cards that are only available to the wild format that are going to be in this new core set. So there are presumably cards that if you've been playing for a while, you haven't gotten to play these cards if you don't play wild, and they might be the. It might be coming back to standard, so so yeah. So we might get Sludge Belcher back. We might get well, some Sludge you know, Belcher. It's, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Mage, because I was thinking about that earlier in relation to last week when we talked about like our top ten favorite cards, and a lot of those cards were wild. And now I'm kind of curious, and and please, like, uh, 
I need to make sure that I go in and, and add ours, but join our Discord and we have a channel in there about our top 10. I would like to see some posted in there and see if some of our favorite cards end up getting put in back the into wild. standard yeah. in, the, in the new rotating core set. Yes. So, and, and the nice thing is, so they, they have some specifics in here that you'll unlock all the class cards in this core set just by leveling from one to 10. So that's, that doesn't take very much. And then a combined 60 levels across all the classes will unlock the rest of uh, of the cards. So if you have 60 combined levels, even if you're, you know, free to play and haven't played your account very much, 60 levels total will unlock the entire thing for you, both at the start and then going forward. So that that's not that's not much of an effort because you can you can get that pretty fast. Yeah, I was going to say that's not much of an ask and if you've been playing pretty steadily for like three to four months i feel like that's a pretty easy obtainable goal so like they they set the bar low to give everyone the new core set so that's like extremely friendly right yes and i'm looking forward to that on my asia and europe servers as well (laughs) because that will help tremendously yeah that'll that'll help give you that um a little bit, it evens out the playing ground. You know, you don't have to waste dust on, like, something that might be a core card that's a little bit fringy that could be good in one deck. You can just focus on, you know, buying packs and crafting the the legendaries in the current meta. So, um, so a couple a couple things about this announcement. You kind of touched on it, but just so it's clear. If you have classic packs right now that you've been saving up, because of the potential revamp or rework to to the classic and basic set, uh, you you can presumably open those. And especially if you don't have some of these new classic cards that have been added because cards have been moved to the Hall of Fame. You mentioned Icicle, Tomb of Intellect, Call of the Void, Pilfer. Uh, SI7 Infiltrator, Natalie Celine, some of these cards that have taken a, a, a spot of a card that, that got moved to the Hall of Fame, those aren't going to be in classic packs once the rotation happens. So you will, the only way you'll get those at that point is by crafting them. So if you don't have those, now is actually a very good time because of the uh, pack, uh, you know, no duplicate thing. You've got a better chance. Yeah, Yeah, the duplicate protection. Now you actually have a better chance of getting those cards right now than, uh, uh, you know, waiting. So definitely open those right now. Um, The other thing is you're not going to get any dust when when the core set gets implemented. There's the rotation of basic and classic going to wild as the legacy set. But because they're giving you the core set... As a replacement for that, there is no dust refund like we've had when uh, cards rotated out of standard into like the Hall of Fame, like Edwin Van Cleef, like that, you know, like we were talking about Edwin Van Cleef potentially doing, but specifically Ganon Baku would be an example of that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's, um, I mean, and that's super nice, right? Like the fact that. Yeah, you don't get dust back at the end of the year, but all of a sudden you get all the, the, 
base and core sets uh, cards that you might not even have had. If they're wild cards, maybe you had uh, disenchanted a few legendaries and like you get a few legendaries back that were obviously you can't disenchant them, but like you get access to use legendaries in your deck that you didn't have. And that saves you like 1600 dust right there. So like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a better deal and like, yeah, I know it's not going to, it's not going to be cool to have like 6,000 dust pouring in at the end of the year. (laughs) But like, Hey, this is, I feel like it's a pretty fair trade off. After the rotation, you're going to actually be able to disenchant basic and classic cards. The downshot of that is you will not have those in the legacy set then at that point, which means then you wouldn't be able to use them in wild. So Correct. if you don't play wild, it's not that big a deal. But that so that is a potential dust and duels windfall too. that you might get. Yeah, duels as, as well. So. Yeah, if there's other formats where you could leverage those cards um, when you're deck building, then obviously you wouldn't have access to those. And we still don't know what the other format is coming this year. What what are the other game mode? It might require something in your set. So, like, I wouldn't rush out to disenchant these. Um, So. All right. So we have the Lunar New Year's event officially launches. Um, any unfinished legendary quest should now be available. Lunar New Year themed Tavern Ball available this week as well. And the Three Kingdoms Heroes now available in the in-game shop. It's what, like one for, was it one for yeah, ten? Yeah, so it's a, it's a little weird. I The in-game shop has where you can buy the Paladin one and the Priest one separately at, at $10 each. Then it yeah. has the Warrior... And the rogue Rogue one together as that bundle. And then it's got all four of them together. So if you thought you were just going to be able to buy just the rogue one by itself, it doesn't appear that that's an option. Yeah. So if you, if you wanted the rogue one or you wanted the warrior one, you're, you have to pay the extra five bucks and get, get the other, get the opposite one with it. Um, But overall, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to this. I think I'm going to be getting the, the big bundle and get all four of them. They all look pretty cool to me. They they all do look pretty cool, and they all have different emotes and voice lines. So, um, I'm gonna bring that up. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't, I haven't heard them or seen them yet, so I'm not sure what they did. But I just literally, I bought Anduin. (laughs) I bought Si Anduin, so I'm like, maybe, maybe (laughs) not. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. So. Okay, then we have Ixar's fourth Twitter Q&A, and they, uh, well, I'll post the link to the Out of Cards, where they, like, collaborated all into one digestible, um, post, so. It covers craftable hero portraits, launch date of the next expansion, 2v2 games, reward track, uh, feedback, and thoughts on specific cards. So, if the new expansion is ready in March, they'll probably release it then. No hard launch date has been set as of yet. Any changes to the reward system will be positive and have no room for misinterpretation. I think they've learned their lesson on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. Dean thinks that they're at their limit for evergreen keywords. 
if they add a new evergreen keyword, they're likely to get rid of another one. Hero cards will make a return. Still need some breathing room. Fair. Warlock getting a new hero power is not likely. They considered it sometime around Karazhan. And Barnes and Naga Sea Witch not coming back in the now announced, now announced core set. I'm glad, I'm glad you knew that that was Sea Witch because I forgot a letter in it. <laughs> I remember yeah. the, the, the perils of the Naga Sea Witch in Wild. Yeah, I was not playing Wild, but I remember... Uh, it's just 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 drop, dropping a bunch of giants, like, yep. So we know these two cards are not going to be two of the fifty-five that are at least for the first year are not coming into the core set. So shocker! I don't think you want to trigger people <laughs> right off the bat with Barnes. But to be fair, if you don't have um, Yasiraj or um, or uh, the Priest Spellstone, then like. Barnes becomes certainly a little bit less annoying now, doesn't he? And Mass Resurrection's getting Hall of Fame, so... Like, I feel like Barnes isn't really that big of a deal unless you can put together Res Priest, so... Probably so. Okay, Dragon, Dragon Rider, we're we're going to check in with you and see how your latest qualifier... uh, experience has gone so why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown on on your experiences so far yes well first i just want to say thank you to mage because after last week he brought it up and i was like i completely forgot to even talk about it uh because the qualifiers run i mean technically they start like thursday nights uh if you play on the the asia qualifiers and run through sunday and we record tuesday nights I had already like completely forgot about the first weekend of qualifiers by the time we recorded. So uh, I apologize for not giving any updates, but yeah, just a quick update after the first two weeks uh, for me personally, I played in quite a few of them. Um, Like I've been trying to play in as many as I can. Usually it's two or three every single day, uh, Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, the furthest I was able to get in one of them was like round five, which is uh, about round of 64. And that's out of usually there were seven to 900 people in the tournament. So that doesn't sound too bad. But for these qualifiers, you have to get multiple top eights or you have to win the whole thing. So in terms of that, that's, uh, you know, I'm not quite there. I'm not not um, good enough there. But um I just want to talk about my experience um, mentally, I guess, with it, because I feel like we've talked about our emotional relationship with the game a lot on this show, and I I hope that it helps other people. Um, Not going to lie, I have felt very, very down on myself after these qualifiers. It has made me feel like I suck at this game. I am terrible. I can't win. I'm not a good player. And the reality of it is that these are best of three, which in terms of a competitive thing, at least for a lot of people, but especially my perspective, that's not as skill testing as a best of five. These are also single elim tournaments. So with a best of three and single elimination, you come across two bad matchups, you know, where it's, and I had some of these, I was like a 25 or 30% favored in, in the matchup. 
that's really difficult. So I have to get extremely lucky in that matchup. And, you know, I hit that matchup and, well, that sucks. I lose and now I'm out. And that, you know, that starts to really drag on you if you're competing that many times. Um, I also wanted to mention I did see Orange, you know, pro player. He's previous Grandmaster. Uh, he posted some of his stats after the first, uh, his first couple days of the weekend. And I think he, one of his posts he was talking about, he had a 25 and five game record in qualifiers for the weekend. He got top eight in two tournaments. That was as good as he did with a 25 and five record, which is a very good record. And I think if he had gotten that record in a single tournament, in terms of like if that were Swiss format, like the actual Masters Tour event would be, he would be up there at the top. He would qualify for that, you know, the the prize money. But in these qualifiers, 25 and 5 wasn't even good enough to qualify for the Masters Tour yet. So if you look at other people, if they're not getting even better records than that, they're not qualifying. So if you've been competing in them, or what I, you know, I'm looking at this for myself as well. It, you know, keep trying, just keep going, keep practicing, looking at your lineup, seeing what the most common stuff is, see what's working and what's not. But yeah, my experience so far is it's been really rocky and it's been rough, but I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. They're not going to have the qualifiers um, next weekend during BlizzCon. So there'll kind of be a week there in between that's kind of off, but um. You know, I'm I'm not giving up on them, even though it's been really difficult. And I don't, I mean, it's it's a weird meta right now. So in terms of like the actual decks, it feels hit or miss because there's kind of a variety of stuff we're seeing and it, it feels all over the place. Whereas before it's been pretty evident, you know, what few decks are the best. Um, but right now it's it's kind of all over the place. So try to find some comfort decks and see how it goes. That is my advice. Yeah, it's kind of nature of the beast, isn't it? I mean, it's luck of the draw. You're going to have to grind out a buttload of tournaments to to, yeah. to to do this. I mean, I think you're I think you're approaching it the right way. You're like you you can't give up. This is your goal. You have to just keep plugging away. It sucks, but there's a lot of people trying to get into these Masters Tours events. So yeah. like you're you're not like the fact that you're there and you're trying and like sometimes you might be, you know, one and done, but like that does not speak to the caliber of player you are because you are an extremely high caliber player. And um it's just it's just the nature of the beast. It it's it's grindy. It's not exactly the most ideal situation in the world, but these are coveted spots, so you're going to have to I mean, your skill, and you have to be lucky. You have to be lucky. There's just no, yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to admit, but you're playing card games, and guess what? Luck is a factor. <laughs> well, even even in life, even the most successful people, the richest people, all there's also luck mm-hmm. involved in in all of that. So there is some luck, and you, you know, even in the past, in previous tournaments. Some of the pro players have mentioned, you know, hey, yeah, you had to get lucky. You had to get a t- lucky top deck to get lethal, or you had to get that that lucky 
uh, queue order correct when you're queuing up your decks, you know, so you don't hit the bad matchup, things like that. That all factors in, you know, and that's just, that's the way it is, so... I think I think this is fantastic that you're willing to share this with us. Um, thank you for that. Definitely keep 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 things in perspective. I'm I'm glad that you know I definitely can understand some of those negative feelings and stuff. But looking at, looking at and seeing what other people are doing and and being able to put into perspective what you're going through, I think is is definitely a great way to approach it. And then yeah, just tweak tinker keep keep practicing keep trying and uh know know that you've got uh, a lot of people in your corner rooting for you yeah exactly you're gonna do it and don't ever don't i know it's hard not to in the moment but just realize you're you're a quality player you're not you're you're awesome so like don't ever let that get you down so well thank you so okay. we're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing this, right? We're gonna exactly. keep uh, yeah. checking in with you, finding yes. out how things are going, and uh, yeah. So not only not only us, but you out there, if if this is something you're interested in or you want to want want to experience this, you can you can hear how how it's going for Dragon Rider throughout this process yeah. as well. And I think from my perspective, I can talk a little bit about like decks that I've been playing or things like that, if that's helpful for people. Um, but in terms of like the overall tournament meta, um, I'm, I'm just gonna kind of refer you all to like Queen Concede usually does some really awesome in depth, uh, tournament coverage like that. Uh, Wicked Good, uh, you know, he, he also is another fellow podcaster. He does a really like yeah. in depth, dashboard of all of that stuff so if you want information on like what lineups are doing well and things like that i'm just going to refer you over there but in terms of our podcast i think i'm mostly just going to talk about my personal experiences and how it's been going and also i think the uh the mental factor because i think that's something that is also important and i feel like we refer to that a lot um but in terms of talking about this i did a lot of thinking about what cards that I wanted to play in my decks over the weekend. And that really kind of made me think about our topic, our main topic for tonight, which is uh, kind of thinking about what makes a card fit in a deck and like what choices do you make, what decisions go into putting a card in or taking a card out of, of a deck. And this is something that I used to... I, I'm not going to say I'm great at it all the time. <laughs> I've, I've definitely gotten better. I used to really be bad at this. Um, I would just think, oh, this card is is terrible. And then, you know, you you see the pro players, you're like, oh, no, that card is amazing. <laughs> um, you know, and it takes a lot of practice to understand, like, why a card is good or what makes a card better in some decks. So I kind of wrote down some notes and definitely we're going to have some discussion on it, but um, I kind of have some general, like, I guess main decision points or things that you want to think about when you're deciding about a card. And the first one is, is that card part of your win condition or does it support your win condition? Uh, so a couple of examples I have are you want to put a lot of draw mechanics in high damage decks or OTK style decks. If you look at the most successful decks that are like that, 
they have a lot of draw. They draw through their deck very quickly to find all those pieces or do a lot of damage over a few turns. Um, so a couple specific examples of that are like Nitro Boost, which we've seen recently added to like especially the aggressive rogue decks because that is two to four additional damage for very cheap, which is kind of already what the deck wants to be doing. So it makes sense to fit that in. Um, and then an interesting one that we've been seeing is Crab Rider. Uh, people are playing that in Enrage Warrior and Libroom Paladin. Like Libroom Paladin, Broom Paladin, whichever one you want to call it. Uh, because it's just, it's a cheap minion that you can use your, your buffs and your spells on. That you, you know, you're already playing those spells. So it makes sense to fit it in there. I've been playing a lot of, over the last couple of days, uh, the Broom Paladin with the Double Crab Rider. And yeah, putting up like a blessing of wisdom on there to get additional draw and draw some of your other stuff or, you know, coin that out and then play hand of a doll on it on turn two. Like that's a three, six wind fury all of a sudden that a lot of decks can't really deal with. And then you can start to snowball the game from there. Uh, so those are really interesting ones. I don't, are there anything that either of you can think of that kind of fit this category or, or something you want to talk about for wind condition? Yeah, I'm going to poke fun at you. Sometimes you want to put Rally in Rally Paladin. <laughs> <sighs> I'm, we have I'm fun sorry. on my stream sometimes. <laughs> yes. I admire your deck building prowess, but I, 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 I thought that was funny. I was like, so, so those of you who don't know what I'm talking about last week... Uh, during one of uh, Dragon Rider's streams, she was putting together a Rally Paladin deck and forgot to put Rally in the deck. <laughs> Classic. It, Classic it happens. Uh, so so the, thing I, the thing I was going to say about this is these are usually the easiest cards to figure out for the deck. This is usually the build-around card or cards that, that you can easily identify. Glowfly Swarm in the token in the token Druid deck. That these are the cards that you want on the turn that you want to play them. Or this is mm -hmm. like this is the card that like you have to answer or you die. And and so I think about I, I think about Glowfly Swarm in the Token Druid deck or Savage Roar. Savage Roar is the kind of support card. Savage Roar doesn't work if you don't have the Glowfly Swarm down or or some minions down first. But those two cards are are the win condition for for the token for the the spell token druid or, or mm -hmm. a lot of I guess druid decks over over the years uh, with with regard to Savage Roar. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. That's like pretty much the yeah your core like enrage warrior or you. <laughs> Enrage, <laughs> shocker, shockingly enough, that's that's one of the core cards to the deck, and 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 battle rage. So like, yes, the, this is this definitely feels like you pick out what you want your deck to do, and that's where you start building. Yeah, you've got you know Skull of Gul'dan and pretty much all the uh, all the de Demon Hunter decks. You've got uh, uh, Secret Passage in those same aggressive rogue decks. The the those that that's draw to help you find that damage that you need. There's 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 countless examples of these in pretty much every deck. You can look at and say this is this is the win condition or this is the this is a key support card for the win condition and so. You know, Ilganoth. There, there's 
that's a card that you actually have to have in order to be able to do all the big damage stuff in the OTK deck. So those are kind of the easiest to find. I'm curious about some of the other ones that are that are in there, Dragon Rider. Yeah, absolutely. So the next kind of category, I guess, uh, is adding cards that are good versus what is most common in the meta. Um, most often, these are kind of looked at as like tech cards, um, but they're not always specific tech cards. Uh, so some examples are just adding more taunt in an aggressive meta uh, or AOE removal for, again, usually... Uh, an aggressive meta or whiteboard meta you could have weapon removal in there or single target removals um and an an example i saw a lot of today is there's this new like burn mage that's kind of going around it has a lot of spell damage and then a lot of spells like uh fireball and frostbolt and all of that and arcane missiles Uh, but they're also including copies of arcane explosion and it's just it really helps the deck deal with all of the wide boards and like the stealth minions from rogues uh, that are going around in the meta right now, because that's pretty popular. And it also helps them remove health on the board so that things like their missiles, you know, arcane missiles or uh, the mask of Cthulhu. I think that that's what it's called, right? That's the seven mana um, that deals 10, you know, using an arcane explosion first sets up a little bit better for those and they already are running a lot of spell damage. So that helps them keep the board and keep their spell damage minions. So it it kind of fits with their deck, but it also really is very helpful for the meta. I think if the meta was very uh, like tall minions, big minions, they probably wouldn't be running the arcane explosion (laughs) as much as they are now. Yeah. I, uh, I think of like strongman is a great card and not only just because it's a big taunt, but the fact that you can make it free depending on, on what it is you play before it, once it's corrupted. So, so that has found its place in a couple different decks, Paladin and Druid specifically. I think we just had a, a nerf to blade dance. Blade dances is a card that is, if there is a, well, I mean, it's 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 a AOE removal, right? It, it does three targets. It's not you don't get to pick the three targets, but it just sort of is a good. I'm already making my uh, weapon or hero attack go up, and so this is a card that uh, you you might not necessarily need, but it's definitely a card that you could that that's just solid that you can use and put in to to leverage that 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 hero attack that you already have building up in the, in like the soul fragment demon hunter list. You have anything you want to add on this category, Terry? No, I'm sorry. I was, I, I hit a little bit of a technical sag uh, in our recording and I wanted to make sure OBS was still running. So I apologize. (laughs) So like I was panicking. So I kind of, tuned out there for a second so i apologize um yeah i think you guys uh, from what i heard uh, you guys cover anything i'm sorry (laughs) i i i think in terms of this category like what is good versus most the most common things in the meta it usually ends up being tech cards Uh, i think if you're moving into like a tournament setting like we were just talking about a little bit ago this is where 
you can be even more particular with these cards uh, because you get to choose, you know, hey, my lineup is kind of built to ban a specific thing. So maybe in some of your decks, you say, well, you know, that card is really usually included and is very good against whatever it is. Maybe your opponent or you expect to see a lot of slow decks. Well, maybe in some of your decks, you can remove some of that AOE board removal because you're not expecting to see a lot of aggro decks or you're going to ban the aggro deck. So that opens up a slot in your decks to put something else in that might fit those slower decks a little bit better. Maybe more of that single target removal instead or or a weapon removal if you're expecting a lot of that. So that's where cases like that can also come in handy. It's a little bit trickier, I feel like, uh, on ladder, especially when the meta isn't as focused on one thing. But if you are seeing a lot of aggro or a lot of slower decks, you kind of can uh, you know, put some cards in your deck that will uh, try to do good against what's the most common thing you're seeing. Yeah. Uh, so the next category is uh, fill a missing need in the deck. So like this one is a little interesting as well, looking at it. Um, but there are some decks that you kind of just feel like you're missing something when you play it. And you can't always put everything in. So you can't always run weapon removal and AOE and single target removal uh, you know, especially considering if you're running like an aggro deck, you don't want to be running all of that. That doesn't really work with your win condition. Uh, but there are some cases, uh, and one that I came up with was like Barov, uh recently being added to Ramp Held, and I think it's becoming a lot more common. But the deck was already running at least one broom. Uh, most times it was running two. So Barov kind of seems like a good fit because you can play the Barov and then broom and... It either removes a board against an aggro deck, which as the ramp paladin aggro decks can just, you know, smack you down really quickly before you can find some of your stuff. Uh, or it just creates a stall in the game. So if you're not kind of finding your pieces or maybe maybe it's that weird like turn six, seven point and you have this tip the scales in your hand and you're just waiting and it's like, OK, well, I need to make sure I'm not going to die first uh, now you have this bear of broom play or something like that to kind of just stall until you get one of those big swing turns that you're looking for in a deck like that. Uh, and kind of broom. I know uh, Mage and Daring were kind of <laughs> really mentioning this before the show. You know, it's, it's Daring's favorite card. Woo. Broom. <laughs> Yay, broom. <laughs> um, but well, it, it just like... Specifically, if you look at decks that don't maybe have as much AOE removal, they can suddenly make AOE removal out of their minions. So that's why you're seeing the broom in like the Guardian Druid, uh, the Guardian Animals Druid is because it's got a lot of big, beefy sort of minions and it doesn't necessarily run something like Swipe or something. But the Thrasher is just as good as a swipe in a, in a lot of cases uh, if you if you have broom and can give it give it attack or something. So I think yeah, and, of uh, oh go ahead. Oh go ahead. no, you got, I was I was just going to bounce off what you said, which is a, kind of filling that need. Well, sometimes you don't play the guardian animals because you didn't find that, but all of a sudden this this thrasher is sitting in your hand, 
you know, and you're like, well, I want to play it out and clear three minions on their board, but I, if I play it out, it doesn't have rush. So that broom then kind of makes that interaction a little bit more consistent. And yeah, or the or even the Twilight Runner, right? If you're just like, yeah. I've got the Twilight Runner in hand. I could use some cards to maybe find the other guardian, find the guardian animals or, or how help kind of bridge the gap there. There it goes. You know, you could do and that. And it, I've played, I played a fair bit of the, the guardian druid that the fact that like sometimes you can't afford not to get draw off of the guardian animals or your twilight runners. So you literally will not play against like a deck that can deal with a twilight runner while it's in stealth form, unless there's a minion for it to attack and you have a broom in your hand. Like, that's a legitimate thing, because it's like, no, I cannot afford to play a five mana that just dies. It needs to draw me its cards, and then if it dies, it dies. But, like, I need those two cards. I need it to be a 5-4 that removes something, draws me two cards, and costs my opponent another piece of removal. So, like, yeah, that's 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 definitely one of their uses for it or just like, or with, you know, teacher's pet, <laughs> just be like, I need a taunt. I need to clear something. Here we go. Some, some other examples, I think from dark moon races that we see armor vendor, uh, being put in like the, in warlock as well as paladin, uh, just to give you early, Early things to potentially contest a ball, a an early board by your opponent getting out of control. Um, also, barricade is is finding a spot in like the dual paladin or the big warrior, just because they don't want to play big, they don't want to play smaller minions, but they want to have the ability to put some 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 something in the way uh, for for the early into the mid game till they can get to the duel till they can get to the commencement and that. So it, it doesn't really help with the wind. It's not a wind condition or a key support for that wind condition, but it's, it's something that need you need in order to just sort of survive until you can get to that wind condition. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like um, the, the addition of the armor vendor was just, so good for like the slower controlly decks just because it it's it fills the need of like it's a one drop it's a good one drop that heals me for four heals my opponent for four but i don't care about that like literally is he like i can kill him later like his health <laughs> is irrelevant to me until it's not and at that point in time the only health total i'm concerned about is my own and the fact that i get to heal for four Regardless of how much damage I've taken, anytime you play that, you heal for four for one mana. It's it's just such a good utility and like it's something that those slower decks are missing just because like like uh in Warlock you have Nether Breath, but you have to have a dragon in hand to heal for four. Or, you know, um you have the evil quartermaster and warrior that you know you heal for three and you get a minion but you have to spend three mana on that this is one mana heal for four so like it is it feels like that was something sorely missing for some of these slower decks and this like quite a bolster for them yeah absolutely so a lot of those cards that we just mentioned the they fill that missing thing or they, they create a bit of a stall 
in the game to try to get to whatever it else, whatever it is that your deck is trying to do. Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about maybe some things to avoid adding. And I'm not going to lie, I am talking from experience here with some of these examples, or I've seen it, or I didn't think about it, and then afterwards I realized, ah, yes, that is why people are not playing these cards in the decks. Uh, so some things to avoid or think about is you don't want to be adding cards to your deck that actively work against your win condition or your most powerful tools. And I think one of the biggest examples that I could think of is Soul Mirror in Res Priest. So when you think of Priest, you think of turn seven, you have a wide board, you think, oh, they're going to play Soul Mirror. I'm going to get my board cleared. Well, if you're playing against Soul Priest or uh, Res Priest, they probably do not have Soul Mirror. They hopefully do not have Soul Mirror uh, because they play that. And let's say you have some lackeys on the board or you have, you know, a, a 3-2 Zephyrus or something that you played. Well, now all of a sudden that is in their Resurrect pool. And when they play their big powerful cards, they don't want to be bringing those minions back. So they are not going to include something like Soul Mirror in their deck because it messes with what their deck is trying to do. Uh, this also comes into play if you're thinking about, like, if you get a discover option and you're choosing something, so whether you're playing Zephyrus or you play a spell that gives you a discover option or something, you probably don't want to be taking something that is working against what your deck is trying to do because that's probably going to lead to a loss in the game because it, it's doing the complete opposite of what your deck is supposed to be doing and wants to do. I can think of something right off the top of my head that, like... Always keep in mind, if you're playing Guardian Animals, never take in Biggin. That is something that immediately ruins your Guardian Animals if you take in Biggin. Because guess what? Now those beasts cost six, and yep. Guardian Animals does nothing. So, like, if you ever... I have hit... done that. Yeah, so have I. Like, I, I did it once, and I was like, oh, yep. wait, that's why that card's not in this deck. <laughs> that, yes. that makes a lot of sense. I was trying to think. I had uh, had an example. Uh, well, going back to like the 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 token druid. That's why you uh, don't tend to run a lot of minions in that deck because you have things like glowfly swarm requires you to have spells in your hand, so you want to have the more most spells possible. And like fungal fortunes is actually going to discard uh, minions when you draw them, so. Those cards, you if you look at those are kind of the win the cards the win condition and the support the win condition cards. And then if you're if you're putting a bunch of minions in there, you know that that can potentially undo what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's also why you tend to uh, not really see people playing a lot of duplicate stuff at the same time that they're playing something like Zephyrus. Zephyrus has been included in some decks with duplicates, but if you look at the way that those decks work, again, they were usually very draw heavy and wanted to cycle through their deck very quickly. So then the Zephyrus becomes active. Um, That's kind of feels like a fringe case, but there's also other cards that kind of work with that to create or, or make the Zephyrus a little bit more consistent. But even when that was very popular, like Zephyrus being run in, in warrior with a lot of draw, 
it was even still kind of heavily debated about if it should be included or not. So I just wanted to bring that up. Like, make sure you're also thinking about how does it hurt your deck if you include certain cards. Yeah, yeah. Zephyrus has definitely been one of those ones that, like, if you can if you can get through your deck or you think you're going to be around long enough, then it might be worth having it. And that's a might. But, you know, car- like, decks like Galakrond... Uh, warlock that draw nothing but cards is going to is going to you know get to a new duplicate space potentially super early in the game maybe halfway through your deck like i've seen it happen and like 13 cards left and get hit with zephyrus so like that's why zephyrus is in that deck but that is a so you're taking a calculated risk you're not going to do that in a deck where you're like yeah, I, you're not going to do it in a non-Highlander Priest deck. You're not going to throw Gal- or uh, Zephyrus or Dragon Queen Alkstraz in there, you know, on the off chance that, you know, <laughs> you run out of duplicates because you're playing against another Control Priest. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's it's a Bloodfend Raptor otherwise and, and not really a smart smart move um, to, to, to bet on those extreme off cases so major looks like you were trying to jump in there no no, no i think i think you got it i i was i don't <laughs> i don't have anything else <laughs> i mean if anybody that's listening has any ideas on on some of this as well or if this was helpful like let us know we we love hearing that kind of stuff because it also gives us ideas for future topics or it gives us a, an idea of what people enjoy and want to hear more of or not. So we can continue to to touch on these things in the future as well. Yeah. I, I, will, I will say that from, if you think about, like, if you're thinking about building a deck in something or something, that this is a great idea or this is a good way to approach if you're going to try and start doing some deck building. Or if you're if you're looking at a deck and you're you're trying to just kind of assess what what the deck is or what it what it's trying to do you can you can actually like use this and be like this is this is why this card is in there this is why this card isn't in there because it 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 goes against what the what it is trying to do so you know this is you were talking about it from the standpoint of figuring out a lineup for for a tournament but this is this is also the same sort of thinking that goes into into deck building which is definitely a topic that is that can be rather intimidating if you if you don't uh don't don't have a lot of experience with that so yeah it's it's very intimidating but you could also use this as a framework to grab a deck and then be like I like this deck, but I want to change it a little bit. Like, where can I, where can I tweak this? Because I'm seeing nothing but weapon rogue. So, like, I'd like to have, you know, some some weapon removal in in my deck now. That that's such a common thing. Or, you know, I I'm seeing, you know, bomb warrior. So I I want a worm rest purifier in my deck. You know, just uh, just a. You know, a couple quick examples of stuff, so that you maybe can be like, okay, well, I see they they put this in here as a a as a tech card or like a response to something like that. But I'm only seeing B in decks. You know, like I'm only seeing control decks. So 
something that helps me deal with, uh, uh, you know, aggro decks. This doesn't do much for me, but that's all where you are in, in pockets. But that at least gives you um, uh, a outline of how to kind of approach um, modifying something that like, you know, taking a, a set of bones and like putting your own finishing touches on it. So, and that, I mean, I recommend you do that. Um, and like, you might make some mistakes. You might make things that, um, aren't good and, but you'll learn, you will learn and you will be a better player for it. So like, it's totally worth doing. And like, I recommend not, not always just, you know, copying and pasting, um, you know, you could do that to start, but always, always think like, what can I be, what do I not like about this deck? What is missing from this deck? What can I change? So I feel like that, that just makes you a better player because it makes you more aware of your deck and what, um, what you can be doing better. So, all right, Mage, you want to hit us with this week's poll question? Yeah, so we just got the announcement about a rotating corset, and we'd like to know from you, do you think a rotating corset is needed in Hearthstone? Uh, we're getting one, so so let's talk about whether or not it's needed. Uh, the answers you can you can share is yes, definitely this is needed. Maybe, uh, if you're unsure, that's a probably a good answer, or no, not really. So please give us your thoughts. Uh, vote. Tell us whether or not you think Hearthstone needs a rotating core set, and we will talk about the results on next week's show. Speaking of the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dr3HS. Follow our top pin tweet. We'll take you to the Discord. And you can follow or you can email the show if you'd like at Dr3HS. And you can find myself randomly on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Daring Outline. And you can find me on Twitter at Daring Outline Dragon. You can find me uh, streaming at twitch.tv slash DK and find me on Twitter at DonnieDK. That's D-A-W-N-I-E-D-K. And of course, please, you know, I'm also trying to work on my YouTube. I've been definitely more consistent with getting stuff uploaded there. So we'd greatly appreciate if you could check it out there and you could just find that um, on my other social medias or just if you search Dragon Rider DK. Go subscribe. And uh, Mage, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at MageDeath. And Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can find me at twitch.tv slash MageDeath. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to Dr. Three.